Welcome, everybody, to the seventh episode of the Pick and Roll podcast. We are a podcast by the Hoopers and for the Hoopers, and we're so excited to bring you some more NBA content this week. Uh, I'm your host, Zafir Nagji, in for my seventh episode, and with me on his fourth episode now? Yeah. Fourth episode is Harvier Full. Hey, guys. How's everyone doing? And uh, good news, everybody. Our other member of the Pick and Roll family, Yog Sadra, landed back in town the other day. So um, we hope to have him back on the show soon. You know, he's still on the injury report, load yeah, management right now. On the bench. So we'll, we'll, we'll see if he's ready for a game next week. I don't, I don't know. Load management is just taking over everything now. Yeah, analytics, <laughs> analytics, analytics. It's all, it's all analytics, it's all analytics. Um, and normally we open the show with some casual conversation, but I got some big energy today. Same. Uh, I wanted to open it up with a quick debate. So uh, Bronny James, LeBron's son, uh, was scheduled to play a game in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, about six hours before the Lakers game in Boston. Uh, LeBron chose to fly in a helicopter there to watch the game, then fly back, make it to afternoon shoot-around for the Lakers, and then perform against the Celtics. He claims to say he made it back. Claims to say he made it back. Yeah, Vogel and him both yeah. went with it, but I mean, honestly, whether or not LeBron shows up is kind of a caveat. Like, it's, it's an yeah. over, you know what I mean? Like, um, Or should I say underperform against the Celtics? Uh, the, the Lakers didn't, didn't have a great game, uh, and neither did Bronny. Both of them lost their games that day. Uh, the Lakers gave up a season-high 139 points in a 32-point loss to the Celtics, their worst point differential of the season. LeBron finished the game with, by his standards, underwhelming statistics. 15 points, 7 rebounds, 13 assists, 4 turnovers, and was a minus 21 in the game, and shot 5 for 12 from the field, which... For a guy who's modeled after his efficiency every year, it's not great. Um, now, we have differing perspectives on this. And I'm normally the one defending LeBron in front of all my friends, and you've been that a lot too. Yeah. So I'm going to let you go first on this. Was LeBron justified in following through with this plan on, on uh, Saturday? I think LeBron... I think it's fair for LeBron to go to his son's game if it was in the same state, right? I don't really think it made a big difference for him to come to shoot around or not. Right, it's a team basketball game. Everyone should be performing at at their peak, and the Lakers just didn't that night. Okay, so that's fair. So you're you're attributing the loss to factors outside of LeBron, yeah, and saying that LeBron's bad game wasn't the main reason they lost. Yeah, it wasn't. Right. Okay. So I I believe that too. I don't think it was the main reason they lost, but I will say this: I disagree. I think that as as a professional athlete, there's certain sacrifices that you make. You know, I was watching Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless debate this. I think you and I watched it, yeah. both of us. And one thing that Shannon Sharp said that stuck with me was that in his Hall of Fame speech as a football player, he apologized to his family members for, for missing, missing out. Yeah. Dance recitals, graduations, all of these things. Piano lessons. All of these things. This is what you're going to miss out on as an athlete from time to time. You yeah. Know? We saw Kobe do it. We saw Jordan do it. We've seen athletes not get married because they don't want to miss things. They yeah. Not have kids because they don't want to miss things. And so... For a guy who's trying to establish his legacy as the greatest of all time, um, establishing a legacy as one of the greatest athletes in any sport of all time, I think for him it means something different to underperform in a game in January. Yeah. Now, long term, does this mean anything? Not really. Fuck no. Nope. Like, a loss against the Celtics in the middle of January will, won't mean anything in April. But this does so- cause some problems in the locker room. If a player wants to now miss a game to go see family and it's an important game... Now they have ammunition when they go talk to the coaches. They can yeah. say, well, LeBron did it. Exactly. 
And then if any argument ensues, we get the usual LeBron locker room drama that we've seen year after year. Yeah, and social media will hype it up they'll, and they'll, blow it out of proportion. Exactly. This is what happens every year. And you know what? In three weeks, we're probably going to say this doesn't matter. Nope. And we're probably going to say we were wrong about this because this is what happens every year with LeBron teams. But just real quick, I don't think it was the best decision. I don't think it was necessarily all the way wrong. But I think that if he misses his son's game and they win against the Celtics, or at least it's a closer game, then it's a different story. See, look, I see your side of this. But personally, if my son asked me to go see one of his games and it's in the same state, I wouldn't mind missing out on shoot-around or whatever it was and whatever they claim to say it was. I wouldn't mind missing out on it. I would love to go watch my son's game because I don't get to spend time with him too often. Exactly, and LeBron did a similar thing um, when they played against Indiana. I believe Bronny James had a game in Cleveland that day. Yeah, against LeBron's uh, former high school, same yeah, same same Vincent same Mary's. Mary's. And LeBron went to that game, then flew back the night before the Indiana game, rested, shoot around, all of his routines because LeBron's got a million routines to do before a game. Yeah, and he broke those for his son this time. Yeah, and so. Again, I don't think it was entirely wrong, and I think people are blowing it out of proportion, but I believe LeBron could have missed his, his son's game for that. But family first family first is something that I can't argue with either. Yeah, I, I prefer family first. I get that team comes first, and the main goal is to win a championship, but look at the Lakers. They've only lost nine games, and how many games are we into the season? We're now well into the halfway points, like 43, 44. Yeah, and it's almost all-star break, too. Yeah, right? we have the all-star final uh, votes counted up and everything. So. Exactly. And who really cares about mid-season games? Exactly. Right? Like, short-term, yes, it does affect the Lakers. Especially but, in a marquee game against the Celtics, national TV, yeah. all of that shit. Yeah. But long-term, it doesn't make a difference whatsoever. And the social media is just blowing it out of proportion. Exactly. And that that's what the internet is for. Yeah. Um. So I thought, I thought that was a fun debate to start the show. Let's get into uh, the top of the key. So we picked three games this week because these three games that we picked were just super high-value, entertaining games. We wanted to really break this down for you. So starting on January 20th, 2020, that's a lot of 20s, uh, Thunder beat the Rockets in Houston 112-107. to um, My MVP of this game was James Harden, who personally hand-gave, hand-delivered, on Skip the Dishes, to the Thunder a win in this game. One for 17 from the three-point line, James Harden. 9 for 29 from the field. That's analytics efficiency. That's yeah. real analytics efficiency. That's it really amazing. is. Amazing. So 39 minutes, 29 points, 9 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. If you just looked at the box score, you'd say, ah, Harden had a pretty decent game. But yeah, these it's an average game for Harden. These shooting splits are awful. He was 31% from the field, 6% from 3-point range, and 77% from the free throw line, which is over 10% under... His career average. When was the last time anybody went six percent from three? God knows when, man. When's the last know. time? When's the last time a, a superstar player did that? I think Curry had a couple of off games, but they weren't this bad. No, I don't think anybody's have ever had this bad of a shooting night than Harden. Like I think Curry had a had a game where he went like zero for ten or zero for eleven from three, but Harden attempted seventeen and twenty nine field goals. Twenty nine field goals until, and he only made nine. Um, and so th- this is the problems that I have here, okay? I-, I kind of organized a little mini rant here, so I'm just, I'm going to go off. So first of all, how the fuck do you go one for 17 from three without thinking at some point, can I get a better shot? Especially after that Golden State game where you went 0 for 27 as a team. Does that not bring back some PTSD and say maybe I should take a different shot? Second of all, 
in a close game, and it was a close game for the majority of the night. How do you continue chucking up the same shot you missed repeatedly, literally all game long? And then third of all, you're up 16 in this game at one point. Up 15 with less than 7 minutes in the fourth quarter left. And you still lost by giving up a 27-7 run. 27-7 run's pretty devastating. Yeah, like I'd say so. That's kind of like a Warriors third quarter run from like a couple years ago. Yeah. So not only did they give that up, they did that with the leading scorer in the NBA on their team, averaging 38 a game, James Harden, who's won an MVP, who's playing with another MVP in James Harden, or sorry, in uh, Russell, Russell Westbrook, Westbrook, who averaged a triple-double for three years, mind you. And didn't he, didn't he average 30 points his first year with it? 30-10-10? Yeah. Something around there? Um, they're both playing for a multiple-time winner coach of the year, Mike D'Antoni, who has one of the best offensive systems in the league for regular season basketball. And you're playing against the guy that you asked Daryl Morey to trade for Westbrook, James Harden. You played against Chris Paul. And Chris Paul burned you. Absolutely burned you. And Chris Paul, by the way, his stats, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 2 steals, 1 block. You want to read his shooting splits? 9 for 18 from field goal. Yep. 4 for 8 from 3. That, that's a lot more efficient. A lot more. And you know how he did it? Some threes here, some layups here, a couple middies, a couple free throws. He mixed up his game. And he called isos. He called a lot of, he called a lot of isos while Westbrook and James Harden watched from their corner help positions. Um, I didn't expect this. You know, I, I rip on analytics, you rip on analytics. But we have to admit, Harden's a great scorer. Yeah, he is. He's arguably the greatest scorer in the league right now when Kevin Durant's not playing. Yep. You know, and he's definitely the thirstiest and most shameless scorer yeah. in the league right now. He's so hungry. He's so hungry for these points that he'll go one for 17 from three. I personally do not think this is acceptable. As an NBA player, you should never go. Like, if you made one shot and you missed the next five, maybe take a hint. He didn't even make his first three-pointer until the end of the first half, by the way. And then went completely over in the second half. Completely zeros. From I'm the- just like, I have nothing to say at this point. It's it's awful. And then here's the worst part, okay? Now, a lot of players have bad offensive games. You know? Sometimes yeah. shots fall. Sometimes they don't. But the one thing you can count on is defense. Yep. Right? We can always count on players to play defense. But majority some, of the time. Majority, majority of the time. time. It's an effort thing. Yep. And it's definitely a hustle thing. Yep, but uh, we better put out an APB or an Amber Alert or something for Harden's defensive effort because I haven't seen it in a game in a long time. Have you? No. I haven't seen him playing a lot of that recently. Nope. And Westbrook too, by the way. Westbrook, Westbrook's underperforming, I think. Like offensively, he's having a really good month. I think his efficiency is really picked up. You know, he's shooting around 50-something percent from the field now yeah. and taking a lot less threes, which I respect. But... Like, this defensive energy that they lack between their two stars, it's starting to spread out to the other guys. Yeah, and if you're the star of the team, how do you think that energy is going to feed off to your team? Right. your players and your teammates? And how is the locker room conversation going to go down? And at the end of the game, how is the social media going to blow this out of proportion? And how are we going to talk about this the next week as media members? Yeah. Right? And so... You know, I, I, again, I really like James Harden. Like, I think this year, James Harden's one of my top five favorite players in the league. Yeah, same. Just, he outright, no one should be able to drop 38 a game, and he's doing it with relative ease. 
But again, if you don't bring defensive effort, then your off-shooting nights are just losses. They're just outright losses. How many fouls did he have this game? Harden? Yeah. Harden drew a bunch of fouls. He went to the line 10, 10 uh, out of 13 times he made them. So he, he still drew a lot of fouls, and he's, he's used to doing that. Yeah, but like free throws don't really matter as much. They, ma- they matter like when you combine them all at the end of the game, but... Individual free throws in the first three quarters, yeah. No, they don't. But like your three point shots, those matter a lot. And if you're and if you're considered one of the top shooting guards in the league, act like it. Act like it. Play like it. Right? Like LeBron said, don't talk about it, be about it. Mm -hmm. So James Harden, be about it. And um, this game proved to me that the Rockets shouldn't have traded Chris Paul. Like, as if I needed any more evidence, by the way. I never, I didn't like this Westbrook trade. No, I didn't either. Like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is the end of the Rockets' title chances. They're not they're not winning with Westbrook and Harden on the same team. Um, and Harden should have learned to play well with others, something that you learn in kindergarten. Yeah. Right? Like, like it, I get it. Chris Paul can be a polarizing personality. He can be aggressive in the locker room at times. But he's a natural-born leader. This is what he's there to do. And... What are you guys trying to accomplish at the end of the day? Them rings. Yeah. Them rings. Gotta get them. And and you and Chris Paul were both searching for them at the same time and came one game away from the NBA Finals. Possibly a hamstring injury away, as they all say. But now I don't want to hear it. No. I don't want to hear you were one hamstring away anymore. Because now I'm learning that Harden is just not playing well with with other guys right now. No, he's literally just launching the shots. Exactly. He wants those stats. I, I don't think Harden is really chasing a ring anymore. I think he's kind of going for that Carl Malone thing where it's just like, I'm going to stack up all of these points and all of these rebounds and assists and triple-doubles. And people are going to think I'm amazing 20 years later. Yeah. Right? But, again, he's still a great player. No disrespect. Harden is still, the I think, the best shooting guard in the league right now. Right now. Right now. And so I, I, I can't lie with that. Or I can't disagree with that. Um, you know, and I, and I talking back about uh, Westbrook's efficiency, you know, his volume stats are still there and his efficiency has improved. But the problem with him is that he's doing the same thing Harden is doing and he's taking defensive possessions off whenever he wants. You know, there's a lot of times where Westbrook just lets his guy blow by and he does that lazy reach behind that you see like high schoolers do. Yeah, and like pick poking up the ball. Yeah, that's not defense. No, it isn't. Like whether or not you end up with a steal, that's not defense. And it, at the NBA level... That's really not defense. No. <laughs> like, in high school or in junior high, middle school, or whatever. That's almost it, defense. It, it's acceptable. It's, but yeah. in the NBA, at the highest level of basketball, unacceptable. And it's it comes down to that same thing we were talking about earlier. Energy, hustle, you know, will to play, effort. All of these things. Even the commentators for the Rockets, who famously, like, really support the Rockets. Like, they are super biased towards their home team. Said, quote, I'd like to see them speaking about the Rockets, play with more energy. And then right after they say that, Westbrook scored a point and they said, Westbrook brings it every night. Yeah. So you're seeing that, I think they brought in Westbrook for an energy thing, but it's not rubbing off. And Westbrook's stats are starting to show up empty because of that defensive, um, him taking off defensive possessions. Yeah. So, um, but then for the Thunder, this is this is a great sign for them. You know, when Chris Paul gets motivated for a game's, 28 points and 8 rebounds and 3 assists. For Chris Paul? Oh, great. That is great. 8 rebounds for a little man like him? Yeah, absolutely. Like, getting up there, hustling. And I I love him just, like, I saw a couple possessions where, you know, he's bringing up the ball, 
and guys are starting to run a play, and he's just waving his hand up saying, nope, 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 ISO. And you can hear him calling, ISO, ISO, ISO. And then he'll just step into a three, sidestep three and one, mid-range pull-up, floater in the paint, double-teamed. These are all things that he did with James Harden. And Harden didn't want him. This is this is what you're missing out on, Harden. And now I think Harden realizes that. He's starting to realize it, I think. Yeah. And keep keep watching the Rockets because if there's some tension between two old friends in Westbrook and Harden, now's the time to see it. And come playoff time, how is his energy gonna spread out? How how are they gonna manage uh, possession as well? Because both of them are high usage players. And yeah. in the regular season you can manage that, stagger their minutes, whatever. But in the playoffs, you might need a lot of minutes together for them. And come playoff time, Harden, are you really going to start chucking up 17 shots a game at the three-point line? Yeah, and at the, in the fourth quarter, are you going to be able to make some shots? And we do say these games don't matter, but stat-wise, it does matter. Stat-wise, it does matter, and building good habits as a championship-caliber team matters. Yeah, and be a leader. Like, I think it was, it was, it was either Richard Jefferson or Jay Williams said on ESPN, you don't flip a switch. No. Like, there's no switch to flip. If you don't create good habits in January, you're not playing in June. No. You're not. You can't. Um, and, like, even when the Cavs had a bad defense for a little while, they picked it up in February and March, not they April did. and May. We'll see. We can't determine what they'll do in the upcoming months. No. But the way it looks like... It's not looking good. It's not looking good. Um, I want to talk about the Thunder for a little bit as well. You know... Their, their supporting cast is actually a lot better than I expected them to be this year. You know, um, looking down the plus-minus uh, in the box score, which, again, is not a, not a great stat. You know, it doesn't always represent accurately. But nonetheless, only two players had a negative plus-minus on the Thunder, and they both played less than 20 minutes. So your major rotation guys are playing really well, and they're having a positive impact on the score overall, offensively and defensively. Um, and this OKC uh, three-guard lineup of Paul, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Dennis Schroeder is absolutely deadly. It really is. And throw in Steven Adams when he's healthy. And you you put uh, Gallinari at the four. And yeah. And you stretch four. You have a great lineup. By the way, speaking of that lineup, so if you put uh, Gallinari, Muscala, Schroeder, uh, Chris Paul, and Shea Gilgis-Alexander, you put them into the NBA.com uh, lineups uh, statistics they have here it is i have it right here second in net and offensive ratings among three-man lineups between those three with uh, the three point guards and uh, number one in five-man lineup net rating and second in offensive rating for a minimum of 20 minutes saying that if, if these lineups have played a minimum of 20 minutes together they're number one in net rating number two in offensive rating when you pair them with galloway uh, or sorry uh, gallinari and muscala so they're playing really well like, compared to the rest of the league, there's a lot of other teams on that list. Like, the Clippers 5 is on that list, the Lakers 5 is on that list, and they're playing better. So, I don't know, what do you think of this OKC team, man? This OKC team? Really showing out. I didn't think they would perform this well with Chris Paul at the point guard, but him and Steven Adams with Gallinari... Works really, really well. You have a rebounding big that can go and dunk the ball, play great defense. And then you have four guys that can go and get any shot they want on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, so I like this team, and I don't think they should trade Chris Paul anymore. No. I think you speed up the rebuild. Yeah. And Chris Paul should be a great leader. And with the, with the litany of uh, first-round picks that they got and second-round picks that they got 
from the Clippers in that Paul George trade, yeah, and the ones in the the Russell Westbrook trade, you got a lot of trade chips now. So I don't know. Gordon Hayward might end up being traded from the Celtics because of their wing depth. You know, you got Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum performing way below, way above their expectations. You know, maybe the Celtics look to trade someone. Maybe if the Blazers don't make a title run soon, McCollum might be available for trade. And then McCollum and Chris Paul? And Steven Adams? And the rest of these guys coming off the bench, too? And the rookies? I mean, this looks like a good team in the future. Yeah. I Like, keep keep an eye on OKC. We'll say that. Keep an eye. Keep an eye. Uh, listen, to, listen to the thunder, I guess, hey? Yeah. Um... January 21st, we had the Clippers edging out the Mavericks uh, in the lone game of that night, by the way. The only game you could watch. Uh, 110 to 107 in Dallas. Uh, MVP of this game, Kawhi Leonard. Read out his stats. I'm going to let you read these ones out. Played 36 minutes, 36 points, 11 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks. You want to read out the field goal? 12 for 29 from the field and 1 of 9 from 3. Uh, is Kawhi Leonard friends, friends with James Harden now? I don't know. <laughs> that's like, one for nine, that's not a great number either. That's 11%. That's not good. That's not good at all. But I will say this. Luca also had a 36-point game. 36 points. Uh, yeah, so 35 minutes, 36 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists, 2 blocks, 12 for 26 from the field, 3 of 12 from 3-point range. So not that much more efficient, but just slightly. And the difference in this game to me between the two 36 guys was defense. Luka couldn't lock up guys on the other end. Kawhi could. Kawhi scored timely buckets. Luka assisted on timely buckets and couldn't take over the game single-handedly. I think Luka in the future will become a better defender. He has to. He has to. And And looking at the defense that the Mavs play, it's not working out. In like, their favor. It's not awful. It's not the best either. It's not the best. And for and a team for a team that wants to win a championship within the next few years, it's not great. No, and it's not even a happy medium. It's below medium. Exactly. And again, it's you know, it's their first year as this unit lined up together, you know, with Luca and Porzingis and all of these guys. And so do we, did we expect them to have a great defense this year? No. Like with with guys that are you no know, kind of slow footed. Uh, Porzingis is not a big body either. Like he's tall, but he's not strong. He's not, strong. He's not bulked. So teams are going to take advantage of that. And um, I think that's kind of what the Clippers did this game. You know, um, Paul George, by the way, continues to miss games. Um, the Clippers love load management, but this one, this one was a legitimate one. You know, this was a, a strained hamstring, as they called it, and he's missed now uh, seven games as of that one, and then the one he'll miss tomorrow is going to be eight straight. Yeah. I'm worried about Paul George. I really am. But Paul George, on the court, really well. Off the court. Oh, my God. Paul George on the court is unbelievable. It really is. It's really hard to guard him. I really think Kawhi couldn't even guard him. Kawhi could If they play one-on-one, I really think Paul George would come on top. Paul George got a nice handle. Yep. Got a that really handle, that nice mid-range handle. pull-up, and that post-up. Yeah, his, his little post-step-backs are really, really clean. And so I think that when he comes back healthy, this team goes back to, you know, really, really deadly, even though they've already been really good. You know, they've won 18 of their last 20 games as of recording this on Thursday, Friday, January the 24th. Um, looking down the stat sheet over here, you know, we had a lot of, a lot of um, balance for both teams in terms of you had one guy doing really well and you had a bunch of other guys not doing very well. 
You know, Kawhi and Luka really trying to lead their teams. But other guys just not performing well. You know, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell, the guys that we love to talk about so much, they only combined for 28, 14, and 5. On 10 for 32 shooting. And the one block that they got combined, it wasn't Harrell. It was Lou Williams. The shorter guy. The shorter guy. The skinny guy that doesn't play defense. Got a block. I guess that goes to show you how invaluable those stats are as defensive stats, right? But speaking of defense, you know, I think late in the game, that's what carried the Clippers to a win. You know, being able to just execute good defensive plays in the middle of the fourth, not even at the end of the fourth, just in the middle, kept the Mavericks at bay long enough to where they could escalate the game and win it, you know, as, as the Clippers did. What did you think of this game, man? I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but looking at the stats, I think the Clippers underperformed. Yeah? I, I think the Mavs really like gave them a good run for their money, though. Like, yeah. The, shout out to the Mavs on this one. This is great play from you guys. If Porzingis has a good game, you might win this one. You know, And for the Clippers without Paul George, this is the best you can kind of put up. Um, some sad news from this game, though. Uh, two injuries happened. Uh, one a lot worse than the other. I'll start with the easier one to talk about. Uh, Patrick Beverly left after 15 minutes on the court uh, with a sore groin, did not return for the rest of the night, and is scheduled to miss the next few games. Uh, knock on wood that this doesn't turn into something like LeBron's groin injury where he misses a significant portion. Yeah. Because Beverly's a, a key member of that team. It, he really is. You know, as that point guard defensive energy guy, they need him in the playoffs. They really need him. Um, and then here's the bad one. Uh, Dwight Powell... Uh, one of our favorite big men in the league. Yeah. You know, effort guy really r- runs hard to the rim. Tore his Achilles. Uh, on a non-contact play, driving to the basket off of a pump fake. And he had a really nice move, too. That looked like it was going to be a, like a thunderous finish. Um, and it was just nine minutes into the first quarter. Uh, later on, he was ruled out for the remainder of the season. Um, and the reason why this hits the Mavs so hard he was the league leader in baskets scored as a role man in pick-and-roll scenarios, and the Luka Dwight pick-and-roll was the most efficient scoring pick-and-roll by a long shot in the entire league. That chemistry? Unbeatable. And, you know, Luka being able to develop that and being able to lead Powell to the right spots on the court, throw the ball in accurate places, that's great. As a second year, by the way. Yeah. And Dwight Powell's not that old either. I think Dwight's only been in the league for like seven or eight seasons now. That's not that long. So these guys are young, and you know to see him go down with an Achilles like that, I really hope he's okay. Yeah. You know, I want to see him come back next year when Porzingis is more acclimated and Luca's even better than now, which is hard to imagine happening, but it's going to. It, it most likely will. Right. So hopefully uh, Dwight comes back all good, and uh, we're wishing you the best, man. Yeah. Um, but going back to talk about this game, you know, Luca called a lot of ISOs in the third quarter, um, which for a, a pass-first guy like him. I'm impressed that he's saying, fuck it, I'm taking the game over. No one else is hitting shots? On my back. Yep. I got you. Um, he turned a double-digit deficit into a one-possession game and looked calm throughout the entire second half, third quarter and fourth, even when he had Kawhi Leonard guarding him. And having that confidence this young, imagine him in this, in his 10th season. Exactly. Imagine him, you know, in the middle of his athletic prime. Yeah. Like, That's crazy. he's going to show out. He's... He probably will get compared to a lot of players his size. He's going to get a lot of comparisons to LeBron. Yeah. He's going to get a lot of those. Yeah, because they have really similar play styles. Yeah, apart from the athleticism thing, and Luka's a little bit more of a willing shooter than LeBron was early in his career, there's a lot of similarities. And 
you know, like LeBron, he sees a lot of different matchups every night. And, you know, in this one, you saw him being guarded by Kawhi. In the first half, he was being guarded by Beverly. Uh, Harrell switched out to him a lot of the times as well. Um, and he just found a way to either uh, see an open teammate or to score his own baskets. Or get fouled. Or get fouled. And, you know, he didn't shoot great from the free throw line. Uh, let me see here. He was 9 for 14 from the free throw line. Um, he's about 77% on the season right now, which is not awful. But not the best. As, as the leader of your team, as the kind of de facto point guard, you know, we say this about LeBron too. You got to shoot better from the free throw line if you're a perimeter player. Yeah, and if you're if you're a key player on your team, it matters. Yeah, it really does. Um, but I want to talk about the last four minutes of this game because that's when things really started to heat up. It became a Doncic Kawhi show, and Doncic was balancing, facilitating, and scoring. Kawhi was dominating the mid range and hit his lone three late in the fourth quarter, and his signature step back. Yep, and um, so Kawhi hit that clutch three to push it to eight points. So we know what Luca did. Luca called for a screen and roll, took a step back and arced it way over the camera angle for three. Like the camera has to zoom out. I love that. Every time Luca shoots a step back, the camera zooms out. Yeah. Because his arc is so high. What I want to know is if he didn't put that much arc on his shot, could he shoot longer shots because he would need less arc power and it'd be more like longitudinal power? Would he have more range? He Could he have Steph Curry range if he was just a little, like not, not flat flat, but like a little bit flatter. I doubt Steph Curry range, but... Steph range is unreal, but I mean, Clay range, JJ Redick kind of deep range, you know? Like, he has... Pure shooter range. If if he has the shot, he definitely has the vision. And he's developing that three. Slowly by slowly, it's getting a little bit better. Yeah, but like, at his final form... It's going to be... What is it going to look like? It's going to be insane. Probably one of the, probably <laughs> going to be the best player in the league. If Luka becomes like a 35% three-point shooter for a career, it's it's good enough. I truly think he could win MVP in the next three years. Ooh. I really think so. And then he'll be, the young, he'll be the youngest player to win MVP. Well, that's, well, Derek Rose was, what, 20 or 21 when he won it. Yeah, and how old is Luka? Luka's 20 right now, I think. Luka, yeah, okay. Luka's 20 right now. So he might not be the youngest... But he'll be up there with one, one the of the youngest. youngest. Yeah. One of the youngest. Uh, ooh, that's, and that's having, interesting. And having an MVP so young, long term. Yeah. You said in the next three years. I said the next three years. So Harden and Giannis are still in their athletic primes during that time. Ooh, that's some yeah, stiff but, but look what happened stuff. To, but look what happened ooh. to LeBron. Look what happened to LeBron. The NBA just didn't give him MVP. Yeah. And do you really think... The NBA is going to give Giannis MVP every single season? No, but they might They might give it to him this season. I think oh, for sure they'll give it to him this yeah, season. Yeah, the way yeah. he's performing, but... 30 like, and 13, man. Like, but yeah. he Like, that could happen. It's a possibility. Yeah, it is. But I like it's that. It's a realistic possibility. It's it, That's a good take. I like that. Um, and then on the final play of this game, just working back to this, because we went on a, one of our legendary tangents. Um... <laughs> so the Clippers have an inbounds play after a timeout. Doc Rivers does his thing, draws up a play. Um, but the Mavs get a miraculous steal thanks to, I believe it was either Dorian Finney-Smith or Tim Hardaway Jr. that made the steal. I don't. I remember. think it was Tim Hardaway. I think it was Tim Hardaway. Um, and then DeLon Wright ends up bringing up the ball, swings it to a wide-open Luka. Now look, Luka was a few feet behind the three-point line. But keep in mind, he hit that step back we just talked about. So that's an off-the-dribble one. Now he's got a catch-and-shoot off of a guy that's you know he's played with now for two seasons. Yeah. I want him to shoot that shot. First of all, I want to, I want to say, I want Luca to shoot that shot. Because he's capable of making that shot. And you're open. You're wide open. 
Like, he, his defender was closing out, but his defender was, like, five it or six feet away. It was still going to be a late contest. Yeah, by analytics measures, that's an open shot. But he swung it to Hardaway Jr., who was 4 for 11 to that point from the field. Not not the best option right there. Not the best decision. Like, I don't remember Tim Hardaway Jr. hitting any memorable shots anytime recently as a role player. Um, he has a history of playing with the Knicks. Enough said. Uh, do you really do you like, trust a Knicks player to, and, and to win a, you games in such a close game and by the way shout out to Tim Hardaway he's been, he's been having a great season for the Mavs as a third option as, or as a third or a fourth option on that team he's been playing great but I again I don't trust him at the end of the game and as a, like we were all proven right when he missed the shot and then the Clippers were able to secure the rebound and get fouled to go to the line and seal the game and you know, like, if Luka takes that shot, make or miss, I think it's a better option than Hardaway. Yeah, definitely. Like, even though the percentages don't match up necessarily, I think the star power. And, like, in the in the heat of a moment, do you really think Luka's going to miss that shot? And how hot he was Yeah. that late in the game? Yeah. Do you really think he's going to miss? No. The hot hand is a real thing in the NBA, man. It really is. Like... And anyone who plays pickup basketball knows it. If you hit two shots in a row, you're calling for the ball every possession. I would. I, I call for the ball every possession. You know me. Yep. As soon as I'm as soon as I'm in the post, I'm I'm posting up every time if I get two shots in a row. Um, but I mean, again, I'm not I'm not gonna rip him fully because I've defended LeBron in a lot of these cases where he passes to an open shooter. I have two. But LeBron's I, a worse three point shooter than Luca. I can say that. Yeah. So Luca has a better chance of making that. I also uh, also if you guys remember Steph Curry passed an open shot to Clay. That's right. And Clay wasn't expecting that pass. And Clay Clay threw it back to to Steph and then it ended up on Shaq and a fool. I remember that. Exactly. And it happens. It happens. And again, it's a, it's a mid-January game, probably not going to mean a lot long term, but I want to see how Luka handles clutch moments moving forward. And thinking about it like media-wise, they're obviously going to blow it out of proportion. Oh, yeah. That's what the media does. That's what we're supposed right? to do. That's my new thing now. That's... The media is blowing it out of proportion. I mean, that's kind of our job, though. We have to make something interesting. Yeah. Got to get them <laughs> views somehow. Yeah, you got to get them views. By the way, follow us on Instagram, shameless plug, at PNR Podcast, you know, in case you want to see more of us. Um, Give us your comments. Yeah, let us know what you thought of this. Should Luca have taken that shot, or should was he right for passing it to Tim Hardaway? Or, by the way, here's the third option. They had a timeout, though. Rick Carlisle is a great coach. Luca is a great player. Could you have drawn up a better play? Probably. Game time three. But you also then give the Clippers a chance to set their defense. And yeah, and get a stop. Changes the variables. But let us know what you think. How would you have handled that? If you're the coach, how do you handle that? Yeah, let us know. Let us know. DM us on Pick and Roll Podcast. Yeah, I think I think personally I would have just wanted Luca taking the shot. I don't call a timeout. I don't do anything. I just want Luca taking the shot. If there was enough time left, I really think Luca could have... 24 fake, seconds on the clock, by the pump way. Pump fake, pump fake, drive in, go in for a foul, something like that. But it, it was a three-point game, so they needed, they needed three, the game. But, tire. like, make, it, like, a, make if, it a three-point play. Go get an N1. True. Right? Like, true. you're that hot. You're going out to score. Why pass it? Go score. Go be hungry. There you go. Go eat. That's very fair. And the Clippers were in bad position. They might have just inadvertently fouled as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but moving on now, this, this one was an exciting game. It was one of the most exciting losses I've ever seen. Pelicans lose 121-117 to 117 at home against the Spurs. Now, this doesn't sound interesting at first, but in case you were living under a rock, Zion Williamson is now officially inducted into the NBA and got his first minutes as an NBA player in the regular season. 
That's re- that's your guy. I really think I really thought he would be ruled out for the whole season. I I thought he should have been. Yeah, and then probably would have pulled a Ben Simmons one rookie of the year. Yeah, or Michael Porter Jr. By the way, who's the having horizon. a great season. Yeah, <laughs> after being redshirted because of an injury. All of these players are really underrated, and Zion. I really think he can make a big difference on the court with Lonzo. And he really he showed it this game. He did. 18 minutes of action, 22 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists. Now, 5 turnovers is okay. A lot of them were in the first half, and they were rust plays. And it's, just getting it's his first game back. Yeah. He's not used to NBA length and size and strength and all of these things. Yeah, exactly. And his teammates are getting used to catching those passes because Manny's a good passer. He really does like, have that. At the really NBA level, like, he can snap the ball the way LeBron does, you know, from and, his wrist. Because like, he's so strong. He's so strong. Um, 2 of 4 from the free throw line, 8 of 11 from the field. 4 of 4 from 3-point range, 17 straight in the 4th quarter in less than 4 minutes of game time. First player to ever first, do that. First rookie to ever do First that. rookie to score, to go 4 for 4 from 3. Yeah. And um, by the way, if we if we do a really, really bad approximation, like a really awful math calculation, and we just say, okay, he played 3 minutes and got those 17 points, and we multiply it by 4 to get to 12 minutes for a quarter, that's a 68-point quarter pace. Which is obviously not realistic, but the fact that it's even a number in this case like, is ridiculous. Like, it's being considered. Exactly. It's ridiculous. By the way, the record for points in a quarter is in the third quarter, Clay Thompson went for 37. Yeah. Which is, again, ridiculous. Why does Clay always end up in our stats? You know, we mentioned him last time, too. Yeah. That he dropped 14 threes. And didn't he go, nine, in a quarter. Didn't he go nine for nine? Yeah, he, he hit went nine for nine in one quarter. In one quarter, <laughs> also had a sixty-point game in twenty-nine minutes and only dribbled the ball eleven times. This guy's unreal. Can't wait yeah. for can't wait for him to we come. Can't back. wait for your staff and Clay to come back. But anyway, let's talk about the guy that came back from injury this game. <laughs> um, so Zion's debut game for me, it went from oh he's still gonna get used to running and jumping because of that meniscus tear to holy fucking shit this kid's going places. I think that was kind of the mood summed up for the entire game. Put a body on him. Or he'll catch yours. Yeah. He'll catch a body. He really will. <laughs> um, you know, in the first three quarters, he only had five points, and Alvin Gentry called him, quote, way too conservative. So I think Drew Holiday or Lonzo, probably not Lonzo, because Lonzo doesn't, he's not vocal. But I think Drew Holiday went at him and said, boy, you better start shooting. And Brandon Ingram. And yeah, Ingram too. Ingram had an off night, and so he probably wanted Zion to step yeah, up. Yeah, like his energy probably just transferred over to Zion. Yeah, and you know, I can't blame him for only having five points in those first three quarters. They only played him three to five minutes a quarter. Yeah. They were resting him most of the game. You know, they wanted to bench him and and keep that knee healthy, which makes it hard for him to get a rhythm. It really does. And for athletes, like as we know, when you get in a rhythm, that's how you know you're going to do well. Like if you're not touching the ball, if you're not running up and down consistently, you're not going to get within the pace of the game. Exactly. You can't pull a Harden and shoot 17 shots. Exactly. And expect to get in rhythm. Exactly. Um, we're just gonna rip hard in this entire show. Yeah. Oh my god. Um. <laughs> so, but we saw glimpses of uh, Zion's athleticism all game long. You know, grabbing lobs. rebounds, lobs, dunking. He didn't dunk any no, shots that game. He, he got his go, first dunk tonight. Yeah. Off a Drew Holiday lob, and he didn't even get that high for it. No. Nope. To, to compared to his standards, it looked effortless. Really effortless. Really effortless. And it was wide open. Yeah, and you know there were a lot of plays I saw where they set up Zion either in the post. Or they set him up in the corner at the three-point line to be able to blow by his defender. Because when he gets that shoulder in front of you, good luck dealing with the body contact. And he's so quick off of grabbing rebounds and going right back up with it. 
He's it's so unbelievable. Quick. That second jump is ridiculous. It really is. You know, we talk about it all. We, a lot of NBA players talk about that second jump as being the harder jump to do because you land and you have to really quickly get back up. Guys like Donovan Mitchell are really good at that, by the way. Yeah. Be, seeing a 285-pound dude, that's conservative, by the way, 285. Coming off of a knee injury. Torn meniscus, by the way. Yeah. That's incredible. How many rebounds did he have this game? He had, let's see here, he had seven rebounds in 18 minutes as a 6'6 guy. That's really good. As a rookie. As a rookie in 18 minutes of action. Again, ridiculous. Um, he bodied LaMarcus Aldridge. Who again, Aldridge is not a not a defensive dynamo. But he's a big guy. He's a big guy. He's pretty a pretty big, big guy. guy. <laughs> um, and, you know, seeing him being able to do that was really, really impressive. But more importantly... That rebound that he grabbed over Jakob Pertl, you know, not boxing him out, and then just going right over him, and then butting him with his chest. Yeah. Now, let's be honest. That was a loose ball foul. That was 110% a loose ball foul. But that's sheer strength. Exactly. And the refs knew it. They're like, we're not going to call this. Because yeah. it's going to make ESPN tomorrow. We're not calling that. And thank you. Thank you for not calling that. Thank you that. for not calling that. But, like, <laughs> refs, refs, quick message to the refs. Call the right foul. Yeah, call it both ways. Right? Like, be fair. Yeah. Don't side over one team. I get, like, there's a lot of good NBA teams, but, like, And a lot of good fair. NBA refs, by the way. Like, yeah, there refereeing are. Refereeing has never been better in the league. No, it hasn't, but it's it's a really hard job. It is. And they they face a lot of scrutiny for it, but I think overall they're, they're doing a good job. Yeah, right now they are. Yeah, and that doesn't mean there's no room for improvement, but that also doesn't mean that we can scrutinize them all the time. Yeah. Um, but anyways, going back to this, you know, he, so just summing up that play, what happened was, is Patty Mills comes off a screen to shoot a three and Pirtle rolls to the rim to go for the offensive rebound, has great position on Zion and Pirtle's by the way, seven foot one, Zion is six, six, Zion then leaps behind Pirtle, reaches over his head, bodies him with his chest in midair and dribbles the ball up the court, throws it to Etuan Moore for a layup to see a, a rookie. A 285-pound rookie. A 6'6 rookie. Off a knee injury. Do all of those things consecutively is unparalleled. And, like, Zion, come on, man. Put a body on him. Put it's a, Zion. Yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta, you gotta box him out. Um, but speaking of boxing out, you know, there, there's a couple of things I got to talk about that didn't go well about Zion's debut before we get to the, the really interesting stuff. Okay. Cause I, I, I want to end it on a high. Cause we, cause we haven't gone to the interesting stuff. Yet. Exactly. Oh, we haven't. It gets way better than this, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so here's what I didn't like about Zion's debut and call me evil for talking about a, a rookie on his first night and criticizing him, but it's, it's the number one pick and we have to be objective. Yeah. So he struggled to play defense. He was letting guys, you know, drive by him. Didn't guard a lot of off-ball cutters very well. Um, occasionally played good pressure defense off the catch, but then as soon as dribbles started happening and the motion started, he looked slow. Like, he just looked slow on his feet. Yeah, I think it was just the injury. I think it was his knee bugging him, maybe. And he's heavy. Yeah. He's really heavy. So you see him, like, take a skip before he runs and stuff. Yeah. Um, and he didn't box out for rebounds. You know, he, he relied on his athleticism jumping over guys. Which which worked, but it's not going to work all the time. And you, you've called it uh, a jumping contest, right? Yeah, you never I call it make... a jump. And you never want to make it a jumping contest. Box your guy out. Exactly. And so Zion didn't. And albeit, he's very athletic, so he and still managed to grab rebounds. Yeah, but... and even if it does come to a jumping contest, who's going to win I'll that? jump the hell out of him. Yeah, like Zion, <laughs> he's got a high vertical. Like, if, if you're waiting for it to be a jump contest, you better damn sure get the rebound. Yeah, you better have... 
Yeah, you better have a it. Sixty-inch vert. Exactly. Um, and they played him at center for a little while in the game, which was surprising. But he handled it well, apart from his transition defense. So as a center, and I, I speak because I play center in two K and I play big man in in uh, pickup games. Not to say that I'm an expert, but I I know the position. Yeah, you're supposed to rim run, both offensively and defensively in transition it's a downhill game exactly so on defense what your job is to, as center to do is to protect the restricted area you don't want players getting dribble penetration and what we saw in transition a lot was him recovering to the perimeter and then letting a guard blow by on the weak side that's his rotation that's his he's, help he's supposed to be in the paint yeah and so again not a big deal he's a rookie first game you know probably in, his first time playing center intermittent minutes as well and then NBA. Exactly. And so... People make mistakes. We make mistakes. Exactly. Now let's get to the good stuff. So let's talk about the fourth quarter. You want to you, you go into this or, or should I go on my little rant? I want you to go on this rant. All right. So five points again. You only had five points and I think you had four turnovers at the half. Didn't get much better in the third quarter. Let's move on to the fourth. He went on a 17-point scoring streak all by his damn self. So he turned a 15-point deficit into a one-point ball game in three minutes. You got 17 points in three minutes. That's five point... What is that? 5.6... 5.7 points a minute. That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> no words. No words. Um, by the way, if you multiply that by 48 minutes of a basketball game, assuming that he could play 48, that's like... 250 points. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. Um, again, awful Zion, math. Awful math. And and being Zion, low-key, he could play 48 minutes. Uh, yeah. A healthy Zion? Yeah, healthy, maybe. But not, not at that energy level. You know no, what I mean? No, no, not at that energy. Um, So, it started off with Alonzo catch... Or, sorry, Alonzo pass to Zion, who then stepped back off the catch and then hit the three. And then this set off a chain reaction of events. He then hit a alley-oop layup, which, by the way, I want to talk about that. So it was supposed to be a dunk. Like, he had his left hand up going for a dunk, and then he got bodied underneath. So he had to adjust in midair and then lay the ball up softly off the glass as if it was nothing. Made it look easy. Now, if you think that that is easy, you need to watch basketball. It's yeah. not. You need to play basketball. It really isn't. You need to try and do that. Having split-second movements like that. Quick twitch, like, wrist movement and being able to control and decision the ball. Making. And decision-making. By the way, to, to be able to control the ball like that and not, like, smack it off the board by accident. With that intensity, too. Yeah. Mid-air. Fourth quarter, too. Fourth quarter, too. So, important minutes. And he then... Can, like proceeded to hit three more threes in a row, all catch and shoots, by the way. So these were all assisted field goals in the fourth quarter. Nonetheless, it was really impressive. And he had one play um, underneath the rim, his only unassisted basket of the fourth quarter. He went up for a layup, didn't get it, then did that second jump that we talked about and just laid it back up casually triple teamed. Because casually. no one can body him. No, you really can't. How are you supposed to body a 280-pound guy? And that's conservative. Again, 280 is conservative. Yeah. Um, and then they chanted MVP when Zion was at the free throw line. <laughs> and after only three of those offensive plays, the crowd went from quiet to college level loud. And they weren't even fully sold out by the end of the game. Like they, they had empty seats and it was college level loud. That's insane. But unfortunately, they had to sum them out. Because why let the fans have any fun? Why? But all, all jokes aside, I understand. You know, 
He's worried. They're worried about that left meniscus. They're worried about his weight overall. They've got to keep him safe. Yeah, it's protocol. It's protocol. And do I believe that he should have played a couple more minutes? I think he should have played the last two minutes of the game. I think he should have played the last two minutes. Considering that he made it so close, I think you reward the kid. You're like, yeah, go out and go out and have fun. Although I, I will say I like Alvin Gentry pulling him aside and not telling him in front of the team. Yeah, you know I like him. I like him calling a timeout and letting his assistant coaches do the huddle, and then he pulls Zion aside and says, "Hey, man, you're having a really good game, but we got to keep you long term, and so we're going to preserve you." And Zion seemed really sad about it, but credit to him for accepting that. Yeah, that's a really big move. That's really mature. Really um, mature. Real quick, Lamarcus Aldridge had a really good game. Uh, Thirty-five minutes, thirty-two points, fourteen rebounds, two assists, a steal, two blocks, twelve for twenty from the field, hitting mid-range jumpers all night, post-ups, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Lonzo Ball had a pretty decent game, 14, 8, 12, 3 steals, only 3 turnovers. And to my pleasure, 3 of 6 from the 3-point line, 3 of 4 from the free throw line. Anything else you want to bring up about the game real quick? Lonzo, that's my guy. That's your guy. That's my guy. And he had a good performance. He had a really good performance. 3 of 6 from 3, and the way he performed last season from 3, that's a huge improvement, man. Way improved. Keep it up. Keep it up. Exactly. Um, I do want to say the one thing I'm worried about with Zion in particular, just going back to him because he's such a magnet to talk about. Jay Williams broke down some film of him on Get Up uh, a couple days ago, and he noticed that he landed on that meniscus foot a lot of times. That meniscus leg, just on one leg. Yeah. And then landed on the other leg as well. So he was only landing on one leg over 10 times in that game. And what happened to D-Rose? He was landing on one leg. And... He had meniscus tears too. Yeah. Now here's the thing. D Rose was 195 pounds on a good day. On a good day. Zion's about 290. On a good day. On a good day. Like, stop landing on one foot. That's you have bad. two. You have two legs for a reason. Like almost 300 pounds coming down on one knee. That sounds painful. That sounds painful. Oh. Like I can feel my knee cracking just thinking about it. Yeah. Like, oh my god. But if he can fix that jumping technique eventually, that like, landing technique, landing yeah, technique. landing technique, because it's it's gonna have to be a process. You don't you don't develop that right away. Yeah, and if you look at D Rose, he lands on both feet now. Yeah, because he because he learned his lesson, and he's willing to take those falls. He doesn't and try to lock up his knees. Or I think I think D Rose being so athletic, I really think Zion should go to D Rose because he they both had very similar play styles. Mm-hmm. Very similar, hey, just man, different position. D Rose is getting available for a trade. D Rose and Zion on the same team. Pelicans. Athletic dynamic duo. Question mark. Combined with Lonzo's athleticism, that's not bad. Jackson Hayes off the bench. Lonzo's vision. I like this team going forward. Another yeah. team to keep your eye on. Watch the Pelicans. Yep. Um, but that wraps up our first segment. We're gonna move on to shooter pass and weak side rotation. Uh, see you there in a bit. And welcome back to the Pick and Roll Podcast. You join us for our second and third segments, our new segments. We'll start with the uh, shooter pass. So I bore, I bared witness to a really great Damian Lillard game. I love Damian Lillard. Shout out, shout out Dame Dollar. Same. Love uh, Dame Dollar. Uh, erupted for 61 points against who else but the Warriors, his favorite team to score against. Like, legendary against those guys. He was uh, just picking on them. Yep. Yeah. His second 60-point career game, by the way... Also against the Warriors. Um, Surprising? And, Not really. No. And the franchise record for the Blazers overall. 
These are also the top two marks for points ever scored by a player under six foot two inches. Shout out to the ringer for giving me that statistic. I didn't have to look that one up, thankfully. Um, and did it by scoring 11 threes, six two-point field goals, and 16 free throws. This is the lowest number of twos to reach 60 all time. And Dame now has three of the top five scoring nights in Blazer history. Thank you for listening to all of those statistics. I know that was a lot of numbers thrown your way. Um, so the question I wanted to ask you is this. Is Lillard, is Lillard the greatest Portland Trailblazer of all time? And where should he rank in the NBA relative to other point guards when they're all healthy? Shooting okay. or passing? I'll, I'll shoot. Okay. But a question for you. Yeah. Can you name the great players that played for Portland? Clyde Drexler, Brandon Roy, LaMarcus Aldridge as a rookie, uh, Kiki Vandaway, Bill Walton, I think, played there as well. That's about it. Uh, uh, Devontae Sabonis' dad. I forget how to pronounce his first name, but it's a, it's a Sabonis. And he played well for the Blazers. What do you think, though? I I take Dame on this, man. Dame on that? Yeah, that's fair. For being 6'2"? Six six like, one years uh, six overall. one yeah and being under six two yeah and doing that well multiple sixty point games one of only eight players ever to do that I believe the stat was yeah one of very few but like that's insane for being so short and being so efficient and having that confidence he was shooting like five steps back from the three point line catch and shoot casually making it look easy he shot well above fifty percent for the whole game and that included eleven threes. 11 threes. Shooting above 50%. James Harden take, take some lessons. Yeah. Take some fucking lessons. <laughs> 1% I was literally about to say that. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, okay, so you have him as the greatest Blazer of all time. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And then, um, where should he rank relative to other NBA point guards? Top 5, top 3, top 1? No, not top 1. I don't think top 1. Either. Like right now in the league or healthy. overall? Oh, like healthy, healthy league. All point guards healthy. Okay, no. I'd put, like, Steph's my favorite player. Yeah, Steph's Steph, number one. i put Steph number one. Okay, I'd say Dame is top five. I'd say top five. No. I think, Dame's, I think Dame's the second best point guard in the league right now. Right now? Okay, yeah. Hel- right when, now. when all is when settled all healthy, healthy, I think, like, just cause, because Westbrook might be the more diversely skilled player, but Lillard ended Westbrook in, in Oklahoma City. Yeah. And wave bye-bye-bye. I know, I know Backstreet Boys, I know NSYNC in that one. And turned it into a meme. Mm. And dead, deadpan expression after. Yeah. Completely cold, deadpan. Cold. Cold-blooded. Cold. But yeah, I, I, I have him as the second best overall. As a point I say, I say, because right now, I don't really watch the NBA too often. You so only watch the highlight games. I only watch yeah. highlights right now. Yeah. But, you got school going on, man. I understand. Yeah. And just, I put him top five. Because exactly. I'm, I'm leaving out a lot of other players in my mind. But top five. I put him top five. Top five. Okay. We'll, we'll go with that. Um, second question here. Trade news has really heated up this week. I'm just going to read you some of the trades that have gone on in the last uh, week or two. So the Hawks traded Alan Crabb for Jeff Teague and Travion Graham from the Minnesota Timberwolves. That gives Trey Young some backup playmaking in Jeff Teague, who also recent, uh, used to play for the Hawks during their most successful seasons with Coach Bud. I don't know if you remember those, the years where they played uh, LeBron's Cleveland team in the playoffs. I wasn't too familiar with basketball back then. Back then, yeah. I mean, there were, there were only certain teams you really wanted to watch back then. Yeah. It was still the super we were team a lot era. Younger. We were a lot younger. It was also the super team era. Yeah. So, um, the Blazers dealt to the Kings, Bazemore and Tolliver for Trevor Ariza, Wenyan Gabriel, and Caleb Swanigan. 
Um, so that gives them some depth at the wing now. Um, and I think some good depth with Trevor Ariza. Still a quality NBA player. And then the Mavs executed a two-trade sequence, first trading away Isaiah Roby and Cash for Justin Patton, and then they waived him to clear space for a Willie Cauley-Stein trade, acquired from the Warriors for a 2020 second-round pick via the Utah Jazz. That happened today. Um, so breaking news, I guess, for us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that, is, that is the least enthusiastic breaking news notice you'll ever hear. <laughs> um, and then Jordan Clarkson was also traded earlier in the season to the Jazz, and then since then they've been... Really, really good with him coming off the bench. He's a good six-man kind of guy. He is. Um, and he turned them back into that dark horse contender along with Mike Conley now being willing to come off the bench. Yeah. Um, so out of all of those trades that I just listed, and you have the notes right in front of you, so that's going to help out, um, which of the teams do you think won biggest out of all of these trades? I'm going to give you this. you going to give me this one? I'll, I'll take this one. I think, honestly, I think, I think Portland won the biggest here. I think Portland won the biggest just because they needed a lot of wing depth now that they let uh, Harkless and Aminu leave to the Clippers and the Magic. I think they went to. And so when you get when you get Nurkic coming back, you get CJ back, and you have all these guys healthy, and you have Whiteside as a as a potential trade piece, even though he's in his contract year. I don't know if you want, you'd have to trade him this year, unless you want to extend him. Which I, I really don't think you want to do. No, I don't. Not a good you, idea. You, you don't don't extend Whiteside. But <laughs> you could you could find a trade for him. Um, I think Portland won biggest. But here's the one thing I'll say about the Warriors end on this trade. They gave up Willie Cauley-Stein willingly. It wasn't a very balanced trade. It was only for a 2020 second round pick. That's it. What do we know about the draft coming up this year, Harvey? Who's, uh, who's projected to go top three? You want to tell me who that is? It's uh, James Wiseman, who played a couple of games for Memphis. He's, he's pretty good. How tall is he? Seven feet. What is he good at? Dunking the fuck out of the ball, blocking the hell out of it. Good, good post-up game too, by the way. And what do the Warriors need? All of those things. And so, here's here's where this helps them the most. You get Steph back. You get Clay back. Jermon's back, back for another season. You flip D'Angelo for maybe a couple of good role-player wings that can play defense and shoot threes. And then you get James Wiseman, a young center with a lot of energy. The kind of guy that Steph loves to play with. A clean sleep. Yeah, that Steph can make. Completely clean slate that Steph can learn to develop with. That's unreal. Like, they're a title contender next year, almost definitely, if that happens. Yeah. And they're, they're probably going to get a good lottery pick, because let's be honest, they're not winning a lot of games. Not really. They're not going to. I don't, they, they shouldn't even try to at this point. Not, it's not worth it. Go for the good odds and try and, get, try and get a lottery pick. And Steph, don't try and come back. There's no point. Don't. like Just rest. Rest. Exactly. Blessing in disguise. Disguise, like you said on All the Smoke. Exactly. And you blessing can, in disguise. Shout out All the Smoke, by the way. Great, great podcast. Great podcast. Um, and so I, I have the Warriors and the Blazers tied for the biggest wins just because of the impact it'll make next year. What do you think? I think the Hawks Ooh. got it. Because off the court, you were telling me, Trey Young, big impact. Playmaking-wise. They're 18 points in offensive rating worse when Trey Young goes to the bench. They go from league average to three points below league worst when Trey Young goes to the bench. And having the extra playmaking, what does that do? It, it picks that slack up. It really does. Will, will the Hawks get a lot better this year? No. Probably not. No. They need to gel a little bit better. I think they still need some veteran pieces. Um, because Vince Carter can be your only veteran, man. No, and he's leaving at the end of the season. And right? Jabari, Jabari Parker is not a good veteran. 
He's not a, an attitude veteran. You know what I mean? Jabari Parker, he's not an established veteran. No. He hasn't he hasn't made a huge impact on the league. Like he, had, he was a highly touted prospect, and then it's kind of gone downhill from there. And doesn't play defense. It's not working well for him right now. It's not. Tough time. For the Hawks in general, for real, though. Um, all right, and then on to our final question of this segment. So Dwight Howard is calling upon the great Black Mamba himself, Kobe Bean Bryant, to... Um, to help him plan for the dunk contest, because Dwight said, I'm, I'm, I'm dunking in this one. I'm playing in this one. So let's just all remember that Dwight did win the 2009 dunk competition when he infamously dressed as Superman to Shaq's intense displeasure that led to a lot of beef later on, which is a lot of fun. If you haven't watched it, go on uh, YouTube and Google it up. Or go search it up, it. I mean. Uh, SB, after, after, after listening to this After listening to this, yeah, listen to this first. <laughs> and this follow us on Instagram first, yeah, too. Follow on us. Instagram first. No, yeah. listen to this. Follow us follow on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, then go on YouTube. There you go. Great great plan of action right yeah. there. We laid it out for you. You don't even have to work or think. Mm-hmm. That's all. Um, so, first of all, this is the first question I have. Should Kobe even help the guy after their troubled history in the past? And even though they've kind of made up this year, it's still there's still a lot of shade in the past. And what ideas can you personally give Dwight for this year's contest? You want to shoot or pass? I'll shoot. All right. Kobe Kobe's your guy. should definitely help. Why not? Because Kobe's giving, letting go all of these grudges that he had in the NBA, in in his seasons, in the league. Except so for the one not? with Shannon Brown, by the way, he hasn't said anything about those. Yeah, but like those or questions, Kwame Brown. Those questions haven't come up yet. No, they haven't. Right? And they don't matter. But but like the way it's looking, like he doesn't mind anymore. Mm-hmm. Right? Those grudges are behind him. It was the past. He can't change that. Kobe's moved on really well from basketball. Shout out to Kobe. He really has. Now he's a family man. Yeah. Right? He went on All the Smoke as well. That's my favorite episode of their podcast. I'm I just shouting them out that. for free. I need to go listen to that. Yeah, it's it's great. Um, After you listen to this podcast, maybe you guys should go listen to it no, too. No, 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 no. Listen to this. Follow us on Instagram. Go on YouTube and watch the 2009 Dunk Contest. Yep. Then go watch All the Smoke. There you go. Shout out to All the Smoke. Exactly. Shout out to Pick and Roll Podcast on Instagram. Shout out, shout out to everyone listening to this podcast as well. Weird. Shout out to Instagram. Shout, we, we're just shouting out everyone. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you think Kobe should help him. So do you think that... Do you have any ideas for Dwight's contest this year? Me, personally, I'm not that athletic. <laughs> yeah, same. I got negative I got negative lift, man. Yeah. Dunk contest isn't not my thing. thing. Three-point contest, that's, that's all my you. thing. But do you, you got any um, any potential dunks that you want to see him do? Maybe some through the legs? I want to see I want to see Dwight Howard go under the legs like in Gordon. That's what Ooh. I want to see. Because... The way he was dunking off season, on and the even beach, in the season this year, and yeah, just the way he was showing off his dunks off off season, he's Dwight ready. Can, Dwight can still get his head at the rim, by the way. He can higher than the rim. Yeah, like he, he can still, still can. look down at the rim. How many seasons has he, has he been in the NBA? He's been in the league for like what 12, 13, 14 seasons now. He's in his mid thirties. Yeah, early thirties, and, and he's proving. That he deserves an NBA contract. And he deserves... AJ nothing but a number. Yep. AJ nothing but a number. It's all mindset. Um, so for me, I think, yeah, I agree. Kobe should help him. Yeah, because you know? all those grudges are behind him. Exactly. Right? It's the past. You can't change that. And at the end of the day, he's back to being a Laker. Kobe gave him credit earlier at the, earlier in the season. I think before the season started, he said, Dwight Howard's ready now. Yeah. And then for ideas... Um, I want to. I don't want to see Dwight pull out the Superman costume again. Don't no. do that. Too much theatrics now. Let's, Too cringe. Let's calm Too down. Too cringe. 
You want to pull out a, a, a Lakers veteran jersey? That's a little bit too much as well. I think what he should do is pull out his old Dwight Howard Magic jersey. Yeah, I want back to see to his that. prime days. I want to see that. A retro uh, Dwight Howard jersey. And then I want to see him do some, some fun antics to start the contest. You know how players they have that grand entrance where they sing their own songs or whatever? You know, I think Victor Oladipo sang his own stuff. Aaron Gordon showed up like a magician or something. Like that's I love that. I want to yeah. see Dwight do something like that. He needs to be creative. But um, I think apart from this, the most important thing for Dwight is to change his hairstyle because it's, it's getting kind of old. Yeah. You and Kuzma, see my barber. I'll give you my barber Snapchat. You come by to Calgary, you know, let him know what you what you want. He'll give you a clean fade. Yep. But th- this is not working. Um, but that's going to end it for Shooter Pass. Uh, let's move on to the weak side rotation. So we're just going to run through this really quickly because this is just a, a couple of good headlines here. T-Wolves president uh, recently stated that Carl Anthony Towns is, quote, as untouchable as they come. Uh, per Andrew Joe Potter of the score, just shouting out the sources here. Uh, he also said that, quote, he's the best player on our team, and he's the guy we're building around. Everything we do is to help him become the best player and to help us become the best team we can be. He's a special talent that we're going to do anything possible to help him achieve his highest potential. Y'all, y'all haven't done much to help him so far. Y'all it's forced not looking him, like it. You forced him to play with Wiggins. Didn't defend him when Jimmy Butler went ahead everybody in practice. Haven't surrounded him with shooters, which is exactly the kind of guys he needs. And you just traded away your lead playmaker. But now, he's your head guy. He's your main guy. Yeah. All of a sudden? All, all of a sudden, now we're doing, quote, everything to help him. No, you're not. No. You're not. Like LeBron said, don't talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. And by the way, Towns looked miserable in the last few games. Like, you can see the look on his face. He don't, the, he don't want to be For there. the past month, I think he hasn't been having a good time with the T-Wolves. Listen, he, he got to do what Eric Bledsoe did and tweet in the barbershop, I don't want to be here. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's time. It's time. Yeah, times. it is. I mean, all jokes aside, though, Carl Anthony Towns is a really, really great basketball player, and he deserves to be on a good team. I mean, he is transcendent in terms of big man shooting threes. Yeah, he's really changing the league. And his defense, although it's not great, is slowly starting to improve. You know, his fundamentals are getting better. He's becoming a better rim protector for sure. He's being a lot more physical. Exactly. You know, his slow-footedness is never really going to change. You know, that's kind of his thing, but... I think his effort level is going up as well. Yeah, which is surprising considering the team that he's on. <laughs> and the players he's surrounded by. So we'll, we'll see how, how Talon's career continues to evolve. Maybe he does like kind of a Kevin Garnett thing, sign and then get traded to a championship team and win a ring. Yeah. We'll see. Um, moving on to our favorite thing to trash other than Harden today. Uh, the Knicks. Oh, they're fi- They're finally doing something positive. Really? They, they are, um, they've partnered with this company called Translation. By the way, if you haven't heard of them, Google them. They're a really, really cool company. Like they've got a lot of great history, um, in rebranding images. And that's what they want to do with the Knicks. So they worked with the Nets on rebranding. Uh, and that worked because Kyrie and KD went there. And speaking of KD, um, they partnered with him in a Nike commercial to kind of bring light to his image after he made that move to the Warriors and won two championships after 2018. Um, and it's worked because KD got a lot more fans after that. You know, we respect KD a lot more nowadays. I've always respected KD. I never really put him down after going to the Warriors. No, I didn't like the move, but I respect the guy. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the move. I like the Warriors. That's my guy. 
you, you, you can't blame him for doing it either. I mean, exactly. If you're, the Warriors call you up and say, listen, we won 73 games and now we want you on our team, you say, fuck yeah, I'm packing my bags. How much money are you paying me? Exactly. <laughs> like, that's like, it. <laughs> at the end of the day, what's more important, your image or the rings you win? And the money you're going to earn. And the money you're going to earn. So it's, it's really interesting to see that now the Knicks are trying to make a positive effort here. And personally, if I was KD, I wouldn't want to stay in OKC. I'd love to go to Oklahoma and live by the beach. Or sorry, Golden State, you mean? Golden State, like sorry. Like in the Bay. And in the Bay, yeah. Around all of those areas. Yeah. It's, it's a great place to play. And, you know, the Oracle Arena, while it was there, was one of the most famous arenas, if not the most famous, apart from Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Which, going back to the Knicks now, um, you know, Translation CEO Steve Stout, uh, that's S-T-O-U-T-E, by the way, if you're planning on looking it up, um, told Bloomberg, quote, we have a ways to go. Uh, people can say what they want, but the world knows when you get it right, when the New York team is winning, basketball is better. When the New York Knicks are right, the NBA is a better place. That is the opportunity. And I agree with that. I do too. If the Knicks, Bucks, Celtics, Lakers, and Sixers are all good at the same time, the last time that happened was the 70s and the 80s. And remember how good basketball was back then, how high impact each game was? The rivalries that we had? Yeah, but we also got to think about the rules back then. They were a lot more different. Exactly. And they're a lot more different now. Although, nonetheless, having all the big markets being good, including Miami now, by the way. Shout yeah. out to the Heat playing shout exceptional out basketball. Um, it would be a great NBA to see all of those teams getting better. But I wanted to ask you, because you and I both love hating on the Knicks. Do, do we really believe that the Knicks are even willing to go through this transition? Like, Do we really believe that they'll actually do it? I think they will. With this company and their previous... Their track record. Their track record. I think it'll work. If the Knicks are willing to work with them. It looks good from afar. But I don't think that they'll be able to successfully rebrand unless James Dolan sells the team. Because James Dolan has been the main reason why this team has struggled for so long. Bad draft picks, taking too much control from the coaches and the general managers, trading away good players and drafting bad players. This is not how you run a basketball team. You're an owner. Act like it. And by the way, the highest earning owner in the league right now. Every year, the Knicks have the most money. With the worst team. The worst team. Not record-wise. Fuck record-wise. I don't care. They're the worst team in the league. Yeah. Sorry about that. I just had to rehydrate there. Shout out to water. Shout out to water. <laughs> um, uh, moving on. Uh, All-star voting has finally wrapped up. For the starters, at least. You know, now we're going to wait for the coaches to do the, the reserves and all of those. And I'm excited to see the reserves because there's a lot of guys that didn't make the starting team. And there's only so many spots that you can have left for reserves. Um, as usual, LeBron led in all the voting categories for both, uh, for all fans, all coaches, and all media. I'm not surprised. It's the king. Um, and then Giannis led it in his conference, which he absolutely deserves to. I really think Giannis is the king of the East. Like right now, Giannis is, is third best to me in the league behind Kawhi and then LeBron. Yeah. Like overall. But Giannis could easily become second this year. He could easily become second this year in yeah. terms of that. What that do you ranking. think he should change? What do you think he should change? You got to improve from the free throw line, man. Definitely. He's really got to improve from the free throw line. Um, gaining consistency on that three-point shot is going to continue to be a key for his career. And I think improving on that playmaking ability, you know, trusting your teammates, being able to find them with tough passes. Yeah. Right? Like, it's easy to make a, a chest pass or a one-handed pass to someone next to you. But making that skip pass 30 feet out, that's transcendent. 
Yeah. So that's what he needs to start learning to do. Because he's got so many good shooters around him. Yeah, and you're young. You have still you still have time to learn. Exactly. And he's already doing really great, by the way. Like I want to give him a lot of appreciation. Um, but let's talk about the pool of starters here. So for the Eastern Conference, we had Siakam, Embiid, Walker, and Trey Young alongside team captain Giannis. And then for the Western Conference, we had uh, as we all predicted, because it was so obvious. Uh, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, James Harden, and then LeBron as team captain. Uh, the East is going to be coached by Budenholzer, who's having the best record in the league right now. The Bucks are on a still on a 70-win pace. Still. Incredible, by the way. Halfway through the season, and they're still on that pace. Unbelievable. Um, and then the West is going to be coached by Frank Vogel, who clinched that now that they, they're winning some more games of late. The Lakers are. They, yeah. they went on kind of a skid middle January, late December. And then now they've kind of picked it back up again. Yeah, they had a little rough patch. So what I wanted to ask you is this. We've, we've done our draft teams before. We've done all of those things. If you had to pick five reserves for each conference and two wildcard players, who you got? Do you want to start east or west? So we start east. All right. Give me, give me your, your five eastern conference reserves. P- position doesn't matter. Position doesn't matter? I, I don't think it should anymore. Um, this is hard. It is. There's a lot of good players in the east. Shit. You want me to give you mine and then you can kind of take some inspiration? Yeah, you go first. All right. So I got, I think Jimmy Butler definitely deserves it. You know? Okay. Yeah. Second in the second in the East. Um, I think Jalen Brown over Jason Tatum. And that's a hot take, but Brown's just had a, a better, more efficient season. Uh, ben Simmons. Um, I think he deserves credit for carrying the Sixers while Embiid's been injured. And then two more. Let's see. Uh, I want to give it to Kemba. Yeah. And Bam Adebayo. Okay. And then my two wild card picks, Bradley Beal. Even though he's on a losing team, the fact that he's scoring as much as he is, and their offensive rating is like top 10 in the league right now, is insane. And then I think for my other wild card player, now this one's this one's tough because now I'm, now I'm running out of depth. I'll go with Chris Middleton. Just because the Bucks are number one in the league right now. Okay. Uh, your turn. Five players and two wild cards. Okay, I got Ben. Yep. Ben Simmons is definitely deserves it. I got Bradley Beal. Yep. Bradley Beal deserves it. Yep. Kemba. Yep. Jalen Brown. I agree. Tatum. Ooh, I so take Tatum. Two, so three Celtics. I take Tatum. So you got three Celtics on the All Star team. Wow. Well, sorry, hey, Kemba. Sorry, Kemba's Kemba's a starter. Never mind. Okay. Kemba's a starter. Jalen Brown. Yep. Tatum. And Tatum. Yeah, I've both dunked on the king. They have. They have. Look at it. Yeah, <laughs> that, right? that's good enough to make the all-star team, right? honestly. Like, <laughs> how many people in the NBA have done that? Not a lot. Not a lot. Not a lot. It's, it's really hard to do. I can I could probably only count. You can count them on, on both hands. No, I can only count them on one hand. Probably. Um, But who else you got? So you got Tatum, Brown, uh, you said Kemba, Ben Simmons. Kemba's Kemba. in the starting lineup, so you're good there. Okay. Uh, You want to get Jimmy Butler in there? Yeah, I'll throw Jimmy Butler in the mix. All right, you got one more for your five. Um, who am I gonna go with? Who am I gonna players. go with? I'm gonna go with Jared Allen. Hey, okay, so that's an interesting one. I like Jared Allen. And then two two wild card players. Two wild card players. Guys that probably won't make it, but you think should. Um, that's hard. Because there's I, a lot of good players. I had Middleton and uh, Bradley Beal as my wild cards, but you were certain about Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. Bonafide All Star. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, you could put Lowry as your wild card player. Kyle Lowry. 
Deserves a lot. Um, Siakam's already in the starting lineup. Yep. Well deserved. Yeah. Um, Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry. Okay. And then uh, for the West, I think my my five reserves. Now this this one's a lot harder because there's so much depth in the West. It's unbelievable. But I got to put Jokic in because the Nuggets are the second in the West. Um, I got to throw some love to Paul George, even though he's missed a few games here and there, and he's kind of missing some games right now. I think if he misses, I, I think if he misses less than the next two or three games, he's he should still be eligible to be an All Star. Uh, who else do I got here? Uh, Russell Westbrook for sure, because Westbrook is just going to make the All Star game so exciting and so fun to watch. Um, let's see. Chris Paul for leading the Thunder to the way that the Thunder are playing. Um, who else? Who else do we got in the Western Conference? There's a lot of good teams in the West, man. Uh, the Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell definitely deserves it. Um, now my two wild cards. Now I know you're gonna love these. I know for a fact you're gonna love these because it's, it's one of your guys, John Morant. Okay. John Morant's definitely a wild card make for this. And then one of my personal guys, DeMar DeRozan from the Spurs. DeRozan. Because you know what? He's still putting up good stats. He is. He's still a 20-plus point-per-game scorer, and the Spurs are fighting for that eighth seed with the Grizzlies. So if I'm going to give it to Jaws as a wild card, I better give it to DeRozan. Um, so who do you got for your 5-2? and two? Um, Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, so Mitchell. You got Mitchell? Yep. By the way, I didn't mention Gobert, who's having a really great defensive year as well. And he's been frustrated by missing a lot of All-Star games. So I feel kind of bad. But at the same time, you're being outshined right now. Yeah. It's, it's kind of tough to put you in there. But, uh, okay, so you got Donovan Mitchell. Who else you got? I got... I know you got Jokic, because you, you like Jokic. No. No? I'm going I'm to say no to Jokic. Wow. Second, second in the West, though, the Nuggets are. I'm going to say no to Jokic. Okay. Westbrook? Yep. Bonafide. You want to know who should make the all-star team? Mm. Devin Booker. D-Book. All right, so Devin Booker. D-Book okay. needs to make it. Who else you got? I want Cat in there. Towns, yep. Even though they're the second there. worst team in the West. Yeah, okay. I want Cat in there. The and then reserves, your two wild cards. The wild cards. D-Low. My From boy. the Warriors. Okay, interesting. And then your second... I, he, I still think his performance... Yeah, I mean he's still dropping twenty plus a game. Even though, even though he's on a bad team and they're not translating the wins, his stats he's still keeping his stats up. And he's playing well. He's a he's a good team player for sure. Um, and then your last wild card. I want Melo in there. Mmm, Melo's my man. Mmm, I want Melo in there. You know, I actually I I want to make a change. I'm gonna I'm gonna put uh, Damian Lillard in there. Yeah, you see what I mean? We forget about it, a lot of players. So, there's so many good players in the so West. So many players, man. We always forget. I'm going to feel bad for all the guys that get snubbed. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of snubs. And all the players that we've we forgot about still? Yeah, I, we've probably forgot about a lot of other guys. <laughs> yeah. Click Capella has a case to make because he's been having, like, God knows how many 15-15 games. 20, yep. He's had a couple of 2020s as well. Paul George? I, I had Paul George. You had Paul George? But I put, I'll put Damian Lillard instead of Paul George out of the health. Yeah. Like, George has missed a, a bunch of games. Yeah. Um. So that was fun. What about Chris Paul? I had Chris Paul. You had Chris Paul? I had Chris Paul. He's leading the Thunder to, to a really good record overall. Sixth in the West. What do you think about Ingram? Ingram's popping hmm. off. I know he's inconsistent, but like, give him time. 
and it'll pop off. I think next year he's an all-star. Next year. I think you give him one more year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. And uh, last one, and I think this one's going to be one that you like because Steph's one of your favorite players. Uh, Steph said in 2009 he was hoping to be drafted uh, eighth to the Knicks instead of seventh to the Warriors. So do you think that if Steph joined the Knicks, do we still trash them every day or do they do they win a championship in the last few years? Keep in mind, by the way, the player that they drafted instead was Jordan Hill, who averaged a solid career, 7.7 points per game. Good job, Knicks. <laughs> Good job, Knicks. Good job. But, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks couldn't do much. I mean, the Warriors drafted him seventh. The Knicks had the eighth pick. So the Warriors would have had to snub Curry after he'd already been snubbed six other times. Yeah. By the by the Timberwolves twice, by the way. Shout out to Minnesota. Good job, oh, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. All right. But, I, bet, um, I bet Cal would love to play with Curry. Oh, my God. Imagine. Yeah. Imagine. But, um, okay, so if Steph joins the Knicks, do we still trash them every day? Situation-based? Think about it. 2009, how well were the Knicks? Old. Yeah, I mean, they've been, they're the oldest team in the league right now. I mean, like, player-wise. Well, player-wise how old were they? How old were they playing? They, well, yeah, Melo was there, I'm pretty sure, still? Yeah. No. Del- no. no, Melo got traded the year after. Yeah. So you would have had a veteran team mixed with a couple of young guys. Okay, yeah. So you get Steph in, that's another young guy to the team. That's okay. a rookie. Rookie Steph. Rookie Steph. Rookie Steph wasn't the best stuff. Ankle injury stuff. Yeah. He's developed from that. The Knicks probably, like you said, they probably would have rushed it. Yeah. And traded him. I th- because, again, people forget how bad Steph's first few years were from an injury standpoint. Yeah. Steph was playing like 30, 40 games a year for the yeah. first few years. And the Warriors were really, really patient with them, which is surprising because now all of a sudden they haven't been with Iguodala no. and KD's injuries. They weren't patient and didn't hold them back. But I guess, I mean, playoffs and regular season is kind of different. Yeah. Um, and the expectations were way different as well. Um Breaking news. Oh, we got breaking news. We got breaking news. Breaking news. James Harden injured. Oh, my goodness. So let's read this out. According to the score, um, James Harden suffers through an injury in uh, a Rockets win still. Uh, Finished the game with 12 points, 3 of 13 from the field, 0 of 6 from three-point range. So still not efficient. Uh, 35 minutes he played. Uh, Went to the locker room during the first half with a bruised left eye and wasn't moving well upon his return to the court. Um... Failed to knock down a three and shot just 23.1% from the floor on the night. So let's hope that he gets better. Um, it's a bruised left thigh, so you're hoping that's not like a hamstring injury or worse still, like a bone bruise or something like that there. Yeah, but like that still affects his vision. It does. Right? And, and it affects his mentality as well. Yeah. And the way he's going to play, the way he's going to aim, the way he's going to shoot. He's a left-hand shooter. Yep. Shooting over that left eye, that's his dominant eye. Yeah, and so, you know what? All the best, James Harden. Like, All the best. We've been roasting you this entire show, and now I feel really, really bad. I mean... But we judge your performances game to game, and we we still want you to be great. Yeah. So, it's 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 no no hate, no spite. Yeah. Um, and then, back to this question, do I think that the championship drought for the Knicks gets over? No. Because I think even if they get Steph and Steph somehow stayed healthy his first few rookie years, do you think they're going to surround him with good players? Probably not. They've never been able to do that before. Why no. now? <laughs> like, yeah. So unless you're going back to the '80s, it's not happening, Knicks. Yeah, exactly. Um, when you come back, we're going to take a little break here. So when we come back, we're going to go through the picks here. Got a a good few games to talk about, and then we got a really good, interesting topic for the buzzer beater. We'll see y'all there.